Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited because I have a guest in-house today who is a dear, 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 dear friend. And for all of my listeners out there and my friends who are listening in, uh, we have a special treat for you today for those who want to become published authors. In the house, we have Cricket Freeman, who is founder of a literary agency, uh, provides support to publishing houses, has her own publishing house now, does branding, does author support, editing, anything you want to know. This woman has forgotten more about the publishing industry than most of us know about the publishing industry. And I met her the first time ever at my first book signing because she just happened to show up at the Vero Beach Book Center. and We've been friends ever since. So if you are thinking about writing a book, have written a book, or have no idea what is involved with writing a book, you're going to get those answers today. So please welcome the founder of the August Agency, August Words. And I could go on and on and on and on and on, Cricket Freeman, to the show. Good morning, Laura. Thank you so much for coming today. Oh, I love to do anything for my friends. Yeah, and you know, I'm so grateful for that day that we met and how close we've become and your own advice to me, even though you're not my agent. Indeed. Um, and, and we've talked about it, and I never got my second book out yet, which mm-hmm. leads me to a question that I know that so many authors out there are asking, why am I having so much trouble writing my second book? Ah, um, you know, it's interesting. A lot of writers only see what's right in front of their face. They don't look down the road. And so they're writing their first book. They're not thinking, what's beyond one book? And it may not be another book. It may be it may be a series of books. It may be a totally different book. It may be a book in a different genre, such as a children's book, although that's very difficult to do, to switch genres once you've established yourself in a particular type of um, book. But then it might be that the book is part of a bigger thing. It may be a radio talk show. It may be... Uh, a speaking um, career. It may be, like in your case, uh, what would a wise woman uh, do? Um, It may be um, a calendar. It may be a phone app. It may be um, coffee cups. I mean, it could be anything. And so you have to look at what your idea is for your first book and say, okay, where am I going with this? As you're writing it, as you're editing it, as you're going back through and polishing the book up before it ever hits a shelf, whether it's a virtual shelf or an actual shelf, you have to think, what's past this? Because you can't get it out there and then not have a plan for what's next because you're dead in the water then. You can't ride the wave of any success that that project may have for you. So I've coached a a few upcoming authors myself, and I always tell them being an author is a business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And a lot of people miss that. They think, as an author, I'm an artist. Well, yes, but you're also a business. 
And that is absolutely the way every editor and every publisher looks at you. You're a product, you're a business. It's all about the money. The bean counters run the publishing industry. And whether it's magazines or books, it's all about the bottom line. If you can't produce not only a profit, but a significant profit, a substantial profit, again and again with your works, they're going to cut you. Um, back in, oh, around 2000 or so, um, publishing really, really changed. And Random House in one day let go hundreds if not thousands of authors because they simply weren't making them enough money. They called it a bit a bloodbath, and it was. It was just across the board all in one day. Now, you've seen the publishing industry radically change. I mean, oh. the whole world has seen the publishing industry change, especially oh in the last five years. So people don't necessarily have to go through the traditional routes of no. finding an agent and getting a traditionally published book. It does it how much does it really matter about the business side? Oh, it it totally matters because you have to assume if you are, even if you're self-publishing, and even more so then, you're wearing the hat of the publisher and the editor and the marketing department and the PR department and the distribution department. And so you have to be a full business. Yeah, I've been in the industry for decades and... What a difference. And I'll talk to authors who were first published maybe in the 50s, in the 60s, and they talk about how closed publishing was and you had to know somebody, I mean really, really know somebody, to even get them to look at a book, much like Hollywood still is today with scripts. And over the years, things have changed. There's always been change in publishing, like most industries, but especially... But once we had the iPad and the Kindle and ebooks started driving sales, now they account for actually more than um, actual physical books. And we all still love physical books. There's nothing like oh, taking the a brand smell, new the smell, the tactileness of it. Oh my gosh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. But people tend to save. Um, hardback books and even paperback books for books they want to keep, um, books that are special, a present, something like that. And ebooks are the ones they just consume. It's like the difference between food and dining, for oh, instance. Oh, okay. that's a great analogy. Yeah. And so in publishing, it's changed so much. And in the last few years, it's radically changed, radically. Business models that were in place for decades suddenly are just meaningless you mean the traditional model of you got your you got your uh book deal it was 18 months later your title may change the editors at the publisher can do whatever they want it might not even look like your book at the end so that's changing everything has changed in publishing it's all um negotiable it's all up in the air it will change in a heartbeat but For writers, you look at it, I've sat in every chair in the whole process, from writer to editor to agent to publisher to book cover artist to graphic artist, every chair. That's why I have a lot of companies and so forth. I simply know the jobs. I've been there. It's just a lot of experience. Um, But as a writer, 
What change means is opportunity. There's more opportunity now than there ever has been. However, you got to do your homework. You can't just fall into it. You can't um, find some ad on the Internet and follow it. Granted, you can, but you're going to lose a lot of money and you're going to be real disappointed. Okay, so one of my listeners is out there thinking that they want to write a book. Yeah. What are some of the things, a, a couple of steps that they need to take before they actually go and write that book? Perfect, perfect question. Um, one of my favorite, favorite things for really helping people is going to writers' conferences. There are hundreds and hundreds across the country every year. You can go to, there's a great site, shawguides.com, S H A W. G-U-I-D-E-S, shawguides.com. And you can search writers' conferences by month or by state. And you can go, and for a weekend and a few hundred dollars, you will learn so much about publishing today, where it is at that point in time, and where you can fit into it. You can take uh, workshops with best-selling authors, famous authors, people working in the industry every day, and these people are so helpful. And this is one thing I really like about publishing, about writing. Everybody is there to help you. Even the biggest stars in publishing will sit down and talk to you about your book. Some. I've met a couple that (laughs) their egos are a little bit far beyond them at this point. But I've but even, most have been really wonderful. They want to yeah, help the younger writers. They are. It, they're so giving. They're so generous. We all tend to look at each other as kind of comrades in arms. Nobody's competition. Okay, it's so. really interesting. I mean, I've sat with William Styron, who wrote so- Sophie's Choice. Right. He talked to me about my book. I hadn't even been published, but he was so giving and so helpful. Edward Albee. You can't get in the same room with it. he and his ego. But he talked to me because at a you're at a writers' conference. I yeah. know that the Florida Writers Association, uh, or whatever that group is, they're holding an event in Orlando coming up soon. They do every year. Yeah, yeah. and um, I, yeah, all the I details know. are there on Shaw Guides. Okay, um, and I want to mm-hmm. give a shout out to Terry Whalen, who has been on the show before, and he was the acquisitions editor at my publishing house, Morgan James, and he's going to be speaking at ah. the, the Florida mm-hmm. one. So shout out to you, Terry, since we're yeah. talking publishing. Um, We're about to go into the commercial break. Is the cover, as we go into the commercial break, I want everybody to think about this. Is the cover critically important? Oh, it's everything in sales. But as an author, unless you're self-published, you have no control over it. It's up to your publisher to take care of that for you because they know the marketing best. And if you are self-publishing, it is important. It's everything. It's everything. Because you know what? On Amazon, people don't get to touch your book. They're looking at that cover and they're going, does that make sense? And usually it's only like half an inch by half an inch. Yeah, it's a very (laughs) tiny cover. We'll be right back with more from Cricket Freeman. We're going to talk about what you should be doing to get your book noticed. We'll be right back. What is the biggest mistake writers make? Uh, People ask me this all the time. And, you know, over the years, I've finally got it down to they go too soon into the marketplace with their work. They send it to an agent too soon. They send it to an editor too soon. 
if they're self-publishing, they put it in the marketplace too soon. They don't spend enough time editing the work, making sure it's the best it can be, because you owe it to your readers to give them the best you can give them. Anything less, you're just cheating them. Why would you want to do that? And so you have to spend the time. On a novel, it's not unusual to rewrite it, to go through it a dozen times, 20 times. I mean, Hemingway rewrote For Whom the Bell Tolls 22 times from start to finish on a typewriter. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's not unusual, especially in a novel, to spend that amount of time to get it right. A nonfiction book, you better spend at least half a dozen passes all the way through the book. People just don't spend enough time. They go out too soon with everything. Because they think, all right, I, I want to write this book and I want it out and I want it out now. Is, you think that's yeah. what they're thinking? And with the yeah. self-publishing world, you can do oh, that. it's too easy. With a publishing house, it's typically an 18-month cycle. Right. But now it's um, instant gratification. Yeah. You know, during the break, exactly. we were talking about Facebook and all that other stuff. And we've right. become a world of instant gratification. Exactly. We can't wait 45 minutes for a baked potato. So what's a question that an author who is perhaps thinking about going traditional publishing, but we have a lot of listeners that are looking to self-publish because they Mm -hmm. don't want that longer time frame and they don't want to give up copyrights and things. What are some questions they need to be asking themselves to be sure their book is really viable and that it's ready to go out? Okay. First thing, before you ever write the first word on a piece of paper or type the first words in your computer, you have to ask yourself, Why am I writing this book? Exactly. I mean, you have to be really, really specific with yourself. And is it because you want to educate someone? You want someone to not go down the road you went down? Do you want to get revenge with that seventh grade English teacher (laughs) who said you'd never amount to anything? There's a few books out there like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, you... you have to really go inside yourself to figure it out, whether it's a nonfiction book or a novel. Um, and so revenge has driven lots of books. Um, and so while passion is what pushes the writing, you have to make sure you're not preaching between the lines because readers spot it and they toss the book aside very quickly. Okay, so everybody who's thinking about writing a book, you want to make sure that you're asking yourself, why do you, I mean, be very specific about why you want to write yeah. the book. And why is that so important? Well, it um, gets to the business end of things. Um, if it is to educate the book, uh, or excuse me, educate the public, then about a particular thing, um, your child's disease, for instance, or something, and the struggles you went through uh, in a memoir, something like Lorenzo's Oil, um, that became a, a movie. <clears throat> um, excuse me. If uh, it's something like that, then you're going to m- write that book differently. You're going to market that book differently. You in, you will be choosing every writer that has a book. First thing you have to ask beyond why am I writing it? It's who's going to buy this book exactly. So who's your audience? Who's the audience? And you have to define that very tightly. It's not everybody. 
It's not women. It's not men. It's not teenagers. Okay. It's young mothers with twins, you know, who have ADD. I mean, you have whatever. You have to get really, really specific on the target audience. And that is your reader. And you write the book for them. You market the book for them. It goes into everything, the design of the cover, how you reach them when it comes to um, distributing the book, going online to go into chat rooms. You find your audience online. It's, it's so much easier now than it used to be because you can find your audience online. Okay. Guaranteed, there is a website out there for young mothers with twins who have ADD. And I'm just pulling that out of Well, that hat. one I would think would be really big, <laughs> yeah. actually. But what if when you start coming through and saying, all right, I figured out why I'm writing this book and what my end goal is, not just market domination, not just New York <laughs> Times bestseller, although yes. if that's your goal, then you have to write a very specific it's, book for that. Absolutely. But if you're writing your book because there's some message you want to get out or there's a story inside of you and you want to entertain for those who write fiction books... Um, what if that niche of your audience is really tiny? Um, it still can be you can have a successful career. Um, and uh, I can tell you a little story. I had a client many years ago, and I produced a book for him. Essentially, he was a self-publisher, but he was a businessman. It was a nonfiction book on industrial development. And when we were done, he got to me the, oh, I guess a couple of weeks after the book had come out. And he says, you know, I didn't realize I was producing a very expensive business card. But he said, since the book came out, he said, I haven't sold, you know, a few dozen copies, but I mailed copies to some of my investors. And he says, so far, the checks that have come in are over $5 million. People I want put, that deal. <laughs> exactly. I said, this is the best book deal ever. It wasn't that he sold books, but it made it inspired confidence in his company and investors invested. They said, it's obvious you know more about this than we do, so make money for us. And so you have to look at, at your target audience. It can be very tiny, and still you can be very successful. That's why I said you have to see exactly why you're writing the book. He didn't know when he did it that that was why he was writing the book. but uh, He just had some knowledge he wanted to impart. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then he saw the side benefit, which is it's a tool to give him credibility. Exactly. Made him an expert in his field instantly. Now, I would imagine that that could backfire as well, <laughs> yeah. where somebody is using writing a book to increase their credibility, but maybe there's some stuff they start saying inside of it that, goes south or may be a little bit too nasty or vengeful because they're sharing some. Oh, stuff. yeah. How does that work when you see stuff like that happen? Well, instantly, um, nothing happens with the book. You know, okay. on a on the big stage, the national stage, you'll see something, you know, like the incident with the book, uh, A Million Little Pieces. And um, here was a memoir writer that, you know, things he had written about as truth weren't and his whole career was just about over i mean because he claimed it was a memoir and it yeah. wasn't he was trying to make him yeah he was fictionalizing too much and uh so um but as an expert if you if you're 
doctor writing a book. I mean, you could be sued. You know, people could get hurt. And uh, so you have to be careful. Um, this is where publishing companies come in because they vet the information. Yeah, that publishing company for that guy, they took it at face value. And yeah, exactly. Oprah did too. I think that was yeah. an Oprah book It was selection. an Oprah book club selection, yeah. All right, well, we're going to go into the news break. Um, Cricket, when we come back, because sure. we're, we're really starting to get into some of the nitty-gritty, and I yeah. know my listeners have sent me little notes on my phone. <laughs> they want to know, does it really matter what your ranking is? How will that make a difference for you? So when we come back with Cricket Freeman, we're going to be talking about rankings and Amazon and New York Times bestseller and how you can achieve any goal you want if you're willing to put in the time. We'll be right back. Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. For those of you just joining the show, or if for some reason when you're listening to the podcast, you missed the first half, we're here with Cricket Freeman, literary agent extraordinaire. She also has created her own publishing house for those of you who are looking to get books published. She is author support, dear, dear, dear for a friend and, and personal advisor to me in addition to like just loving hanging out with her. So we've been talking about publishing and how it's changed and the things you need to talk think about. And cricket rankings, you know, New York Times, uh, Amazon number one, international bestseller, all of those. How important are they and how real are they? Ah, um, I'm glad you had the second half of the question. Um, how real are they? Rankings are labels and labels help sell books, whether it's um, an award that someone has won or They've placed on a list, and I guess the the best known and and the oldest is the New York Times best selling uh, label, and that one is still kind of the the benchmark, the gold standard, and yet that's merely a sampling. People th- are under the misconception that that's all the sales. That if you're a New York Times best selling author, you've sold more books than anybody else, and so forth. That's not true. It's a sampling of bookstores, of certain bookstores around the country, and they report their sales in a certain way to the New York Times, and then the New York Times publishes that. Likewise, you have Amazon's rankings, and which are very popular. You have rankings in book lists. You have you know, industry rankings, and um, they can be used against the author as well. I talked with um, a romance author some years ago, and she was so distressed because they had just lowered the amount of time on a certain list. And she said, basically, she had 10 days. Her book, from the time it hit the shelves, it was on there 10 days. And if she didn't sell a certain number within the 10 days, they just pulled the book. And the whole career was over in 10 days. And so um, each list has a different purpose, and they can be manipulated. Um, there are authors who often um, send out emails now. Uh, it used to be postcards. Now it's emails. If you're going to buy my book, and I hope you do, 
do it this week, and they have a, a date range for you because they try and drive all the sales to one week to push the book up, to pop it up into the list. And so that happens a lot. You also have manipulations. Um, this happens a lot with political candidates, since we're in a political atmosphere oh, yeah, right now. we definitely are. Where they actually go and have um, a company buy tens of thousands of books before it's ever published. And so they say, you know, it's a best-selling book, but it's actually the person who wrote the book has had their company buy the books before it was ever published. And the money just goes around in a big circle. So it's, it, there's a, a lot of controversy around, mm-hmm. around this topic. I yeah. happen to know some people through the world I'm involved with, with experts and authors who literally have spent a half a million dollars to become New York Times bestsellers. Yeah. And yet I know other people who literally have just become New York Times bestsellers because Mm -hmm. the books were so good and they're on the list for for a long time. So how does somebody who is looking to get out there in the author world decide it's important to get my rankings up or not? I mean, my book, three years after publishing, is still hitting bestseller lists around the world. Yeah. Which is great. I hit number eight in Australia a couple months Mm -hmm. ago. I was like, oh, my God. Wow, great. (laughs) But, you know, I'm still doing marketing and promoting. Right. And and obviously my book has content that people Mm -hmm. are interested in. So how does somebody drive the sales? Because don't those rankings help you get noticed? Well, yeah, exactly. That's the point of them. But, um, of course, the real it's almost a flippant answer. The best way to get on a list is write the best damn book you can. And that's what I was saying about don't send anything out too soon. Take the time. Write a good book. Do everything you can. Do your market research ahead of time as to what type of book will sell. Um, All these things. And that's why going to a writer's conference is so important. It will get you in touch with what it is you need to be asking yourself the questions you have to ask to produce the best book you can, and then in turn, how to market that the best way you can. And sometimes the best efforts, like you say, you can spend half a million dollars trying to manipulate the New York Times bestseller list, and it doesn't happen. And then there are other times you're just, you've got a good book, and there it goes, you know, and write up the list. I'll tell you something that will serve every author and it will drive sales on a list it will drive sales even in small markets there's a theory called 1000 true fans you can google that 1000 true fans 1000 true fans and it is uh, an economic theory um, put forth by the editor of wired magazine a few years ago in an essay and that is such a brilliant magazine. Ah, indeed. And so the basic upshot is if you have 1,000 true fans and you write for them, or in the case of musicians, you perform music for them, and um, you stay in touch with them, you connect with them, they will drive sales to push you through and more than enough to provide a living wage, but give you 
success uh, with your project, whatever it is. And it's staying connected to them rapidly and not being concerned with anyone outside of that. You may do some broad marketing, but market directly to your true fans. And the true fans are the ones who will put money on the table for your book, for your CD, for your podcast. And so you want to really connect with them. So that we've had this conversation on the show before when we've had some marketing experts on here and social media experts. And they'll say, and I agree with this 100%, you can have a list of 100,000 people or you can have a list of 1,000. If your list of 1,000 is active, is doing, is talking about you, that's way more important that list of 100,000 that maybe less than 1% do anything with Absolutely. it. It's not the size of the list, it's the quality. So that's what you're saying. Absolutely. And if you do your homework, you can find your 1,000 true fans on the internet. That's why I say the gloriousness of the internet as opposed to the poor authors schlepping away in the 80s. They were just beating doors randomly. Um, where as now, you know, I mean, they were having to travel in book signings all around the country, beating on doors, hoping people would come to a bookstore and discover them. Um, now, you can find these people on the Internet, people who never leave their homes, people are who, who read in the dark of night because they're working all day, and they don't go to book signings, They don't, but they are on the Internet, they're reviewing books, they're buying books online, they're um, connecting with authors online, and you can find them. If you do your homework, you get there. You will find, that's why I was saying, any target audience you define for your work, you're going to be able to find them and connect with So them. it goes back to if you want the rankings, which can help you get noticed, it's really about that initial conversation, those questions. Why are you writing this book? Be very exact about it and understand who's going to buy your book. Exactly. If you understand that, and write the book for them. Don't just yes. write your own version. You have right. to write for what your audience wants. Yeah, it's all about focus, being extremely focused. And um, if you maintain focus through the writing, through the structure of the work, through um, the editing of the work, through um, the marketing of, of it, you maintain that focus, you will find success and it may not be exactly what you set out to do like I said maybe um, like in the the story of my friend Gary um, it may be a variation on that but you will find success with your project have you ever had writer's block because I mean you ran a magazine you used to have yeah. to write 1100 words a day oh I could do it consistently for years I, I wrote 1100 words damn fine words a day <laughs> Not not junk, and um, that I just cut the next day. No, these were publishable work. Okay, so how did you get to that point where you could just write if you got stuck? Yeah, um, as a working freelancer, um, I did that for years, supporting the family. Um, basically, you tell yourself writer's block is just being lazy. And, oh, interesting. Yeah, okay, that's just being lazy, and. Either you set, you convince yourself, I'm not lazy, or on some days, it's, I can't afford to be lazy. The electric bill needs to be paid. Um, 
And sometimes it's like, no, I'm not lazy today. I'll be lazy on Saturday. And, uh, or I'll be lazy tomorrow morning, but deadline is tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, so I'm going to work all night and get this done. And uh, I'll sleep afterwards. Now, somebody who's self-publishing, they don't mm-hmm. necessarily have a true deadline. It's whenever they want to get yeah. the book out. So that becomes this conversation you're saying of if you know who you're writing for and your purpose, then you're going to set yourself some goal to get through the, the well, block? It, this goes back to, I was talking about self-publishing. You have to wear all the hats in the business. And as such, the publisher has to push the author and give them deadlines. If they're all you, you better be setting up a schedule for yourself. You better set up deadlines or it's not going to be focused and it's going to show in the work. It always shows in the work. All right. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about traditional publishing and how somebody decides which route to go with publishing. So we'll be right back with more from Cricket Freeman. Traditional publishing versus hybrid publishing versus self-publishing, which really in some cases would have been called vanity press ages ago. Yep. How does somebody decide what the right route is for them? Ah, um, and there's an interesting new term I read recently called legacy publishing to describe the traditional publishing houses um, like Random House and Simon and & Schuster and the ones we all know, the household names. Um, because a traditional publishing model, uh, business model, someone who um, pays royalties and so forth and edits your work and vets your work and so forth, um, that's uh, they're popping up in small publishing companies now, much like my own August Words Publishing. And um, we're exactly like any traditional press. But um, the... Bigger houses that have been around for decades, they're now calling those legacy publishers. Okay. And uh, so that, that was an interesting new term I found. So how does somebody confusing. decide yeah. what's the right avenue for publishing for um, themselves? A lot of it is goes back to why am I writing this book? What do I want out of it? Um, if it's um, re- simply recognition, go pay someone to produce the book for you and self-publish it and You've got your name on a book, you know. Um, But if uh, you want widespread distribution, uh, perhaps you want to go through an agent and go to a legacy publisher. Um, If it's, and that's a, a certain type of book, it's not every kind of book. And that's why I started August Words Publishing, because I have clients I've had for decades. And books that previously we would have sold as an agency um, representing our authors, we would have sold them to a publisher. These publishers are not buying those books anymore. And they're limiting the types of books they're publishing now. So these were, they're still very viable, very good books. So we decided we would publish them ourselves and set up our own traditional publishing house. Um, I think going to a writer's conference, like I say, it gives you a really firm grip on where you are in the industry at any point in time. Um, I've gone to them for 
decades, first as a beginning writer who knew nothing, and now I'm a speaker at, at writers' conferences and teaching workshops and have been for years. Um, you can get a sense of how to make that choice. Um, it's different for everybody and every book they have. And there are also different times in a writer's career. Some books they write are good um, for a legacy publisher. Like I was saying, I have clients that I publish some of their books through August Words Publishing. But other books, uh, one of my clients, J.G. Matheny, does mysteries, and they're delightful. We publish those, a series of mysteries. Um, But she's working on a new book now that is of national consequence and uh, about Shearson Lehman Brothers and her time there working uh, cybersecurity. That is a big book for a legacy publisher. Okay, so somebody wants to go for the legacy, uh, the, the big houses. They, how would they get to somebody like you as an agent? The best way, again, I, I sound like a broken record here. Um, the best way is to meet them at a conference. Two-thirds to three-quarters of my clients I've met face-to-face at a writer's conference uh, first. You can um, go through um, what we call the slush pile. You can send them query letters. There are um, books uh, and information on the the net about how to do that. It's very specific. Um, So agents are still going to the writers' conferences to look for new talent? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was uh, at one just a few weeks ago um, doing some workshops, but also... I heard pitches all day long. Every 10 minutes, another writer would sit down in front of me and pitch their book. And uh, I've asked to see several of them. So it's a better shot at actually getting in front of somebody is oh, to, yeah. by, by the act of going, and I love writers' conferences. I had found yeah. my agents at Author 101 University out mm-hmm. in um, Vegas at the time, and now it's out, only out in California. Is it because the act of being at the conference, you as an agent are expecting a higher level of commitment or quality, or is it something else? Well, first, you know, yeah, it's a higher level of commitment. Yeah, you know they're serious about what they're doing. Um, Although, you know, it's really interesting. There's a wonderful percentage of people who go to their first writer's conference and they go, wow, this isn't what I thought it was at all. This isn't for me at all. And, I, oh, that's so sad. And then I thought, no, it's kind of literary Darwinism. You know, it kind of... <laughs> the survival so, of the fittest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it sort of sorts them out. And I think, wow, look at the years and the frustration this person saved themselves by saying, you know, it's just a hobby. I, you know, I, I don't need to, to go further with this. But... Um, uh, so writing yeah. a book proposal, does that make a difference for somebody? Um, yes. Um, a formal book proposal is just like uh, a business um, plan that you would submit to a bank for a loan. It's exactly the same thing because a publisher, a legacy publisher, will invest tens of thousands of dollars to get your book to press. People have no idea, even in today's um, digital world, we're not set in type anymore. It's all done digitally. But still, it's ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. And that doesn't count 
the advance uh, on, Which, on the book. Which, by the way, everybody in advance doesn't mean you get to keep it if your book doesn't sell. It's but, just that advance on future sales. We've got a couple of minutes yeah. left, Cricket. I want to make uh-huh. sure um, people know how to reach out to you because you have yes. an amazing site filled with powerful lots. resources for people to get help. Oh, yeah, lots of, lots of information. They can go to um, all my sites are linked. But there's uh, augustagency.com. There's also augustwordspublishing.com. And my new love is augustwords.org, which is uh, an online resource for writers. And I have everything there. There's including a two-hour video of a writer's conference, the Surrey Writers' Conference, that um, was held a, a few years ago and a young filmmaker, very gifted, did a documentary on it. And you can sit and watch the whole two hours, the workshops, everything. Um, And it's just like going to a writer's conference. You'll learn a lot. And And that's at augustwords.org? Augustwords.org. There are lots of resources there, lots of how-tos. There are things how to write a query letter. We talked about querying agents with your book. Tells you exactly what to include, what not to include. That's so, great. So specific. that's the best way for them to get to you as well is to mm-hmm. go to your web, your website. Absolutely. And then do you have contact forms yes. and stuff like that out mm-hmm. there? Yep. Okay. That is so cool. Um, by the way, I've been at oxwords.org. I saw it in infancy stages when Cricket was putting it together. There are so many resources available to you there. And Cricket is really great about responding and answering questions. And um, I did a fast track to publishing success a few years ago and you just, it ended up being just a Q and A with all my students on the line, which was so fantastic. So if you have a question that you didn't get a chance to email me, um, please do so. Email me laura at laurastewart.com or even better, go to Twitter at the Laura Stewart and tweet out your question to Cricket. Cricket, do you have a Twitter handle? No. She doesn't have a Twitter handle, but I'll make sure she gets it and we'll get her to respond to all of those. So um, thank you for being here today. Oh, well, thank you. The teacher in me just loves it. Quick five-second last thought. Write and write well. Oh, I love that. Write and write well. And I will start working on my next book as soon as I figure out what I expect from it, even though I've told you what my second book was going to be. Everybody, really writing needs to come from within and I hope you got something out of today remember the right questions can change your life so ask yourself the tough questions today have a great day everyone you've been listening to it's all about the questions starring Laura Stewart connect with Laura at it's all about the and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today